We're going to jump into a toolbox of consequences. And um, one of the best ways, of course, to train children is through consequences. But choosing which one is the challenge, and it can be difficult. And I think sometimes our tendency, if we're not careful, is to sort of always fall back to one particular consequence, whatever was done with us when we were kids, or, you know, just whatever's most natural for us. And so, you know, if your parents grounded you all the time, then that's probably what you're going to do, ground my kids from everything. Or, you know, you know, if your kids, all they ever, if your parents all they ever did was spank, then that may be the tendency you have. Um, or maybe it's not because they spank. You're going, I'm never doing that, you know. And, and whatever it is, usually I find that most parents don't have a very um, broad repertoire in their area of discipline. There's not very many tools in their box. There's just one or maybe two that they kind of use um, over and over. And so I, I think it's sort of like the one-tooled handyman, you know. All he's got is a hammer, and that's all he uses, you know. Um, you know, if the window's stuck, he gets out a hammer. <laughs> if the pipe's leaking, he gets out a hammer. And, uh, you know, obviously this is kind of a, you know, a little bit of hyperbole for the point of illustration here, but um, I think that's what we do as parents. We 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 just go to these extremes, and, and it's, it doesn't make any sense, but that's all we know, and so that's what we do. And I think with a toolbox of consequences, we need to realize that it's going to take a broader view. We need to have a strategy. We need to have a plan. We need to, to realize that, um, you know, you can't always use the same approach to every problem. And, you know, and this, is, again, is where the challenge comes as a parent because you have to be thoughtful. You have to plan ahead. You have to be creative and, and realize that discipline is teaching. It's not just justice. It's not just doling out consequences. Uh, you need to remember that it's going to require commitment and firmness over time. And, of course, all of this is in the context of love. And most of us, when we think of discipline, we don't think of it in that context. And so that's why it's so you know, intimidating and why we avoid it so much is it's just hard to, to know how to do this well. But Hebrews 12.5 tells us that, that when a person's been trained by discipline, it produces a harvest of peace and righteousness in their life. We all need to be disciplined and our children. This is where it starts. So have kind of a map mentality. Look at where your children are at, but take them where they need to be. Okay? There's, you take a particular character weakness that they have. It might be laziness. It might be inattentiveness. It might be selfishness. It might be, um, you know, unkindness. Whatever it is, and start there and say, okay, what's the opposite of that? I want to teach them to be kind. And so you, you set up training scenarios for them so they get to practice being kind. And they get, and they get correction when they're unkind. And it's swift and it's, it's reasonable and it's, it's fair. Um, and one of the ways, the first way, the first tool in the toolbox is just natural consequences. And I think these are like our friend. Our best friend as a parent is natural consequences. And this is just the normal results of the choices children make. That's what natural consequences are. In other words, they're correction from life. And, and it's, it's where you just let things run their natural course. For example, uh, little Callie's playing rough with the cat. Uh, what's going to happen to little Callie? <laughs> She's going to get scratched. Is this really at the end of the world? It's not a big deal. How many of us have been scratched by a cat? You know, How'd you learn not to poke yourself in the eye? <laughs> you know... 
we just, we do things and it's like, whoa, I'm not going to do that again. And we learn from life. And sometimes we have a hard time as parents. We don't, we're afraid to let our children learn from life. Let them get scratched. They won't do that very many times and they'll figure out, you know, I probably should be gentle with the cat. Uh, now, there's an exception to that, which I'll explain in a minute when we talk about the next one. But uh, what about uh, your son? Maybe little Connor, he leaves his soccer shoes outside and they, you know, out in the snow or out in the rain or whatever. And you just are on him and all the time. I told you not to leave your shoes out. In the... What's going to happen over time? He's going to go to put those shoes on and they're going to be all soggy and they're not going to be fun to wear and he's going to whine and complain about it and you're just going to say, wow. I remember doing that once when I was a kid too. Bummer. Let's go. Grab your ball. <laughs> you know, and, and you just move on. They just learn from life. Okay, next time they'll bring the soccer shoes in. And you know, there's, you know, I could go on, but you get the idea. There's lots of little scenarios when you just got to think about this. Is this really a big issue? Do they need me to lecture them? Do I need to launch into lecture number 43 about how, you know, soggy soccer shoes aren't that much fun? I mean, now I will say this. Align yourself with the child. Align yourself with your child, not with the consequence. Um, in other words, don't, don't come along and start adding insult to injury. I told you not to do that. I told you you'd get scratched. That, what that does is, again, it, it, you're not thinking about the relationship. You're thinking about the situation. And, and it, it can harm the relationship with your child. Well, they, they don't trust you. They think you're glad when they're hurt. You think that when, they, when something bad happens to them, you kind of get some kind of pleasure out of that. You got what you deserved. I told you. And, and it, it, it does make the relationship more adversarial. And, and you've got to be careful that you don't do that. Think about how you feel when, have felt in the past when, you know, and that's why we say don't add insult to injury. <laughs> because you just make it worse. It's like, come on, get off my back, man. I think I get it now. I don't need you to come along and rub salt in my wound. And, and we do this without, without being careful as parents. And um, so align yourself with the consequence. It might just be something like I mentioned. Oh, man. You know, I had this. <laughs> we had this happen just yesterday with Ashton. She want, she, we were uh, stopped at some friends, and they had one of those little scooters, motorized scooters, kids cruising around on. And she had watched the older kids do this. She wanted to do this so bad, and she's still pretty small. And she's seven, but she's, I call her peanut because she's just so little. And, and she, um, she wanted to do it. And mom was saying, no, how, no way. You're not doing that. Well, she went out there and got on the scooter, and she really wiped out bad. And, I mean, she was just all scraped up her side and her hands all hurt. And, oh, my goodness, it was a... Minor catastrophe, and uh, you know, and my and the tendency was to go into that "I told you so" mode. But I remembered. I thought, you know what? She just needs a, she just needs daddy to be loving and, you know, and hold her and just, just comfort her, you know. And so I wasn't coddling her. I just she was hurt, and I said, "Oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry that happened." I, you know, I've crashed on my bike before when I was going too fast and. You know, and and uh, it just kind of identified with her. I feel your pain, you know. And 
and then later, after we kind of got through the immediate crisis, um, you know, just ask her, remember how you felt when mommy told you not to do that? Yeah. I said, I know that sometimes when you're told not to do something, it's hard because you really want to and, and you feel like a big kid, but you're not quite big enough. And I said, it's okay to wait for things too sometimes because it makes it more exciting when you get to do it. When you finally get big enough and old enough, it's, it's just really fun. And I said, but you've got to trust us. You've got to trust us that we, we're, we are trying to protect you sometimes. And, uh, you know, and so it was a real gentle thing that she learned from but it was a hard lesson. But I, you know, she didn't need me to come along and make her feel bad about it. And um, you know, some. T what about you know? And, and you have to be discerning because sometimes a child, you know, needs. Let's let's say, for example, your child forgets their homework. You know, and they go off to school and they leave their spelling on the table at home or whatever, and they've got a test that day. You've got to think about what the needs of the child are. For one child, one of my kids, I might say, you know what? They're going to flunk their test. They're going to, you know, they don't have their supplies. They don't have whatever. They're not ready. And, um, but they do this on a regular basis. So this, they're going to have to actually, they don't need me to rescue them right now. Uh, one of my other children, though, they're very responsible. They remember. They, their little folders just perfect, perfect, and neat. And they don't, you know, they don't. It's not, they're not leaving stuff laying all over the place. And so for that child, I might think, you know what? They don't need to get there and and go through that trauma for her. It would be, and and you know, for her, I might pick it up and run it to school and just say, oh, you know what, sweetie, you left this, and uh, you know, I might need the, the lesson. I might be teaching her is, hey, I've got your back, you know? Families look out for each other. And, and I'm just, and you don't ever do this, but I noticed today this happened, I just wanted to make sure you were taken care of. Oh, Dad, thanks, you know? And it's, it's not a character issue. She's not struggling with that. And so it's an opportunity to teach something different about life. But for the other one, I might just, might come home and, man, I flunked the test. Wow, I've done that before too, once. <laughs> and then I learned hint no so but you understand the idea you have to be discerning to okay when is a natural consequence the right tool to pull out of the belt now I think of Jesus with Peter do you remember Peter how he lied and denied that he knew Jesus three times and uh, this is a fascinating to me in this very intimate and just fleeting moment one of the Gospels records, not all the Gospels record this, but one of them gives this little detail. It says, and Jesus looked at Peter. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. There was no Sermon on the Mount. There was no lecture. There was no nothing. It was just a look. And Peter learned something about life. He learned that how his, how his lying affected his relationship with Jesus. And, and sometimes, you know, natural consequences will do that. And you've got to, it's tough as parents to stand by and let them experience that, that pain, but, but it's good. It's good for them. We need to let them do it. Logical consequences. Now, these are different. Natural consequences need to be abandoned when either per, people or property are in danger. 
It's, it's, very, it's very important. In other words, you know, if my son is leaving his, his new bike out, like I can remember years ago uh, when he was learning to ride his bike, we got him this new bike and he was leaving it out all the time. What's going to happen with that bike, naturally? It's going to rust. What else? Stolen. What else? Run over. That's it. That's all I needed. There were three things, three good reasons. I thought, and I went to him, I said, Caden, um, if you leave your bike out, what's going to happen is it's going gonna, it's gonna to rust, it's going to get stolen, or I'm going to back out of the driveway and I'm going to run right over it by accident. And, I said, and, and what the bottom line is, you're not going to have a bike. And, that, and, and aside from that, it cost me money to buy that bike. I'm going to have to buy another one maybe. And, you know, and so I'm, I'm just kind of thinking here, you know, it's not, it wouldn't be wise to use natural consequences there because I'm going to be the one that pays for it ultimately. And so I, I realized that's where a logical consequence has to be. What would be the logical consequence then? Well, it's a simulated natural consequence. In other words, if, it ran, if things ran their course, he'd have no bike. So you have no bike for the next week, for the next two weeks. That's a logical consequence. And they, they communicate a similar message about life. And they can be very effective. Um, they do require that you think ahead, though. You have to plan. That's the key to making these work. It's going to require some creativity and some forethought. Uh, the benefit, though, that you have as a parent is <laughs> you know how your kids tick. You know how they're going to behave at bedtime. You know how they're going to behave in the morning. You know how they're going to behave at the dinner table. I mean, there's just very, cre- there's very um, predictable things about your children in the course of a day. So you need to think ahead about when a logical consequence would be important. Uh, maybe little Tony steals a pack of gum from the store. What's going to happen if Tony grows up and lives a life of crime? Huh? He's going to go to jail. Now, you may think this is a little bit uh, extreme, but maybe if this is a pattern in his life, maybe you need to take Tony down to the jail. Say, come with me, son. We're going to go down. We're going to visit a policeman. And we're going to let you see and hear from an authority on this. And uh, maybe you take him back to the store. And, you know, the Bible says that, uh, I think of the story of Zacchaeus, he restored four times what he had taken from people. Maybe you, maybe you follow that principle. You're going to have to sweat it out. You're pulling weeds for the next week. And you're going to have to raise four times the amount of money of that pack of gum. And then you're going to have to go back to that manager of that store and take the gum back and apologize and you know go through that process. And what a humiliating, scary thing for a kid. But you know what? If it, if it, again, you're on a rescue mission. The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. If a child continues to go their normal selfish bent, it's going to be a disaster in their life. So take it seriously. Think this through. Be creative. And... Um, Maybe, <laughs> I heard of one dad who came home, his two boys, they were just all boy, you know. And boys just like to destroy things. I don't know what it is, but we just, it's fun. It's kind of fun to break things and destroy things. <laughs> and and um, it really doesn't change, to be honest with you. We get older and that's fun. It's still just as fun. And uh, But these two little boys were digging holes in the front lawn. And uh, And this dad's very wise. He said, well... Pull out tool number two here, logical consequence. What's going to happen if uh, I continue, you know, if it's going to destroy the lawn? So he kind of flipped it around. He said, okay, instead of, instead of destroying the yard, we're going we're gonna to improve the yard. 
lawn maintenance here program. And uh, he, he, they put the shovel away and he got them going on weeding and raking and doing things to make the yard look better instead of making the yard look, work, look worse. And so, you know, just again, just think outside the box, but uh, it's a great, great tool to use and it speeds up the teaching process. Sometimes you don't have time to let things play their course up or, or it would be a damage to do so. And so you have to kind of, kind of speed it up. And again, there's simulated natural consequences. The last thing, or the, the next tool, tool number three, is restricting freedom. We tell our kids that freedom and responsibility go together. Kids often assume that privileges are rights. Have you experienced that with your kids? Well, I have a right to privacy. I have a right to a cell phone. I have a right to this and right to that. Excuse me? Whoever said that? You don't have a right to those things. Those are privileges. Those are freedoms. And privilege and responsibility go together. See, a child without character needs fewer privileges, not more. They need fewer until they're proven. Now, a real key here is to tell children that they can earn privileges back. Take away the privilege until they start showing responsibility in other slices of life. And when they do, uh, they can earn them back. And this gives them a sense of hope. This really is an incentive uh, for them. And sometimes, um, you know, that uh, loss of privilege is just the, the suffering that they need. And uh, the Bible says that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And it doesn't disappoint. And that's in, in Romans chapter 5, the first couple of verses there. Paul's talking about just the trials and tribulations that we go through in life in general. That's the way God works with us. Sometimes we have to suffer. It's part of the curriculum in the Christian life. God says, this is how I'm building, I'm, I'm conforming you to the image of Christ. I'm shaping you so that you reflect me more and more. And, and whether we like it or not, suffering's part of the part of the curriculum. And in your children, it's the same thing. Sometimes you have to restrict freedom. You have to... Let them experience a little bit of pain because um, if they're being immature or irresponsible, um, it may indicate that they have too much freedom, too much freedom. Uh, Carrie may be talking on the phone and she does, she's talking too long. Well, you can just take away the phone until she's more responsive in other areas. It may be that you discover that if she's in, ir, not responsive in that area, there's probably a lot of other areas where she's not very responsive. But when you see her starting to be responsive in everyday ways throughout the day, then you can reinstate that privilege. And uh, you may have a child, I've had to do this before with our kids, where they've been, maybe just seems like the last couple of days they've been very disrespectful. But then all of a sudden they want to go to a friend's house. I'm sorry. Uh, can't let you do that. You've been very disrespectful all day long. And... Um, I'd love to let you go to your friends, but I'm concerned that if you're disrespectful to me, you'll probably be disrespectful to their parents too. And um, we're not going to do that. So you restrict the freedom. You pull back. Oh, Dad, that's not fair. Fair has nothing to do with it. <laughs> this is life. You just don't have freedoms. Some, uh, <laughs> you know, so one of the things that, that uh, teenagers think that they just deserve is, is just unlimited freedom. Uh, they might not have the maturity to have a cell phone. I don't care if the whole world has a cell phone. If you're irresponsible, maybe the whole world's more mature. I don't think so, but I think most of the time kids are just overindulged for different, you know, parents aren't thinking this through. I don't say there's anything wrong with your kid having a cell phone. I'm just saying if they're irresponsible, 
then that might be one of the areas that you pull back. Overindulgence is defined in this way, giving kids more privilege than their character can withstand. Overindulgence is giving kids more privilege or freedom than their character can withstand. And um, it's just really, really important that you be willing to pull back on some of those things. Um, you know, I recommend with teens, for example, of course, they want, what do they want to do always on Friday nights? And they want to go to parties. They want to be with their friends. They want to do these things. Um, I recommend you just have some basic rules. I don't think you need to be overly restrictive. I mean, don't suck all the joy out of their life, uh, you know, which they feel like you're doing. But just set up some general guidelines for their safety and and good responsible guidelines for them about checking in and knowing where they're at, where they're going to be, who they're going to be with, uh, a curfew when they're going to be home. Set up just the, the traditional kinds of boundaries that any thinking parent would set up for their kids as they're having to give them more freedom as they get older. And then just check on them. <laughs> this will just totally mortify them. Say, okay, where are you going to be? Well, we're going to be at this friend's party. Okay, what are you going to be doing? Is there going to be an alcohol there? No, there's not going to be any drugs. Okay, there's not going to be anybody, you know, sleeping around. And no, 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 no. And you, <laughs> you know, you, you set up, talk about this stuff with them. And if they say, no, mom, there's not going to be any that. Okay, okay, I'm going to trust you. There's not going to be any drinking. There's not going to be any pot. There's not going to be drugs. There's not going to be people in the other room messing around. I mean, this is a safe, good environment. Yes. Okay. I may show up around 10 o'clock <laughs> and just see what they do. Sometimes show up. You say, oh, I could never do that. Why? Don't ever trust your teenager. <laughs> They're not trustworthy. I'm not... I am serious. Whoever said, you know, in the old days, they just didn't, parents just seemed to be smarter about this stuff. Were you trustworthy completely when you were a teen? I wasn't. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff I was doing, you know, that I shouldn't have been doing at times. But I also did have certain checks and balances. I mean, there were certain things I wouldn't do because my mom would kill me. And I knew it. She had convinced me of one thing. She brought me into this world and she could take me out. And, I, and so I, there were just certain things that she loved me enough to instill in me the fear of God and, you know, in certain ways. And so there, I didn't get too crazy because I knew she might check up. She was paying attention. She was, you know. And I just think there's absolutely nothing wrong. And if there is something wrong, it tells you that you've got a problem. Maybe they are messing around. Maybe they are getting into stuff. Say, tell you what. I'm going to give you freedom and privilege as long as you're responsible. But the day that you, if you ever show me that you're not responsible, then you don't get the car. You don't get to go to that, those parties with those people. And you just need to understand, I love you. I love you. And I love you enough to show up. And, and I'm not going to show up to embarrass you. I'm not going to be a weird parent. You know, well, that is weird. Well, okay, but I'm not going to do things on purpose to humiliate you. But you know what? I just may show up and drop by and see how everybody's doing. And just, and then from time to time, do it. So they believe you actually will. I'm not saying hover over them because that can just teach them to be deceptive and just, you know, just get more creative in how they do their things. 
And so there's a balance there. Do you understand? I'm there, but but don't don't be intimidated into thinking. Well, you know, I just if I'm going to make them angry, and they're just going to rebel more. Again, don't be a weak-willed parent. You've you've got to. You, there are some things that kids can do at that season of time in their life that literally will affect the entire rest of their life. I talk to so many people today in counseling situations that tell me with tears running down their cheeks. I got hung up in the wrong crowd when I was 17, when I was 18. And it's just, it set the course for their entire life. There are certain decisions teenagers can make that alter everything. It doesn't mean God's still not a savior and a redeemer. It doesn't mean he's still not on the throne. I mean, God, you know, we've all have regrets. I mean, I wish I could turn back the clock about 30 years sometimes and redo a few things. And I'm thankful for the grace of God. But there are some things that happen that really don't have to happen if parents are just paying attention. Be parents and, and be willing to, you know, they may think you're the, the most mean parent in the world. Okay, fine, I can handle that. I'd rather ha have you think that for a few years and be safe than to just have unlimited kind of indulgence and freedom. So uh, now parental control. Oh, by the way, this is rooted in Jesus' parable of the talents, and he talks about stewardship and all this stuff, and, and he says, you know, how, you know how one of them went out and earned another talent, another one went out and doubled his talent, and the other one went and buried it, and Jesus said, you know, um, to him who has even more will be given, but to, to, to the one who, who doesn't, even what he has will be taken away, basically. And so that's the idea, is you give them a little bit of freedom, and as long as they're faithful with that, you can give them a little bit more and a little bit more. But it's like, you're, it's like you've got the reins, and sometimes you let out a little slack, sometimes you pull back in. And it's just like this for a number of years with teenagers, and that's just, that's just part of the job. So, um, Okay, more parental control. You use this when a child is failing. When a child is failing um, at school... Or in relationships, you need to get more involved in the process. I'm going to say it again. Being a parent is inconvenient. Don't be a lazy parent. If you need to show up at school, show up at school for crying out loud. I had to do it. <laughs> it was really kind of a bummer. Not only a pastor, but he teaches parenting seminars. You know, And it was kind of like I had to swallow my pride and realize, you know what? I'm not exempt from this stuff. My kids are little sinners too. They're going to try stuff. Caden, my son, what a great kid. He's a terrific boy. And he's funny. But the problem is he knows he's funny. And as six, you know, 12-year-old boys, they don't have the most self-control. And uh, so he had a substitute teacher one time at school. He goes to a Christian school and had a substitute teacher. And of course, as he tells the story, she was so mean and <laughs> she just really was overly strict. And I'm going, oh, okay, you know, but, but, but what's your point? <laughs> um, because he used that to justify being disrespectful. And of course, he got a laugh. He said something kind of popped off and the whole just brought down the house and except her. She did not think that was funny. And um, so a letter was written to the teacher who she had been substituting for. And then, of course, it made its way home uh, to dad. And uh, I thought, you know, this is not okay. I'm not pouring all my years into this kid so he can grow up and 
be a turkey, you know. I'm, I'm, he's got to respect people. And I realize, you know what, he's failing. He's failing. And I need to be there. I need to be there to help him be successful in this area. And so I showed up uh, the next day with uh, McDonald's. I showed up and I walked in the door and, um, and I'll never forget the look on his face because it was, it was sort of like initially kind of like, wow, my dad's here and he's got food. And, you know, he was just kind of excited, but at the same time it was like, why is he here? And he sort of wasn't sure how to feel about this. And so I came over and just, hey, Caden, how's it going? And, and, I, and I, you know, hung out with his friends and we sat down and had lunch. Hey, I just thought I'd show up and have lunch with you and hang out with you and your buddies for lunchtime. And so we sat down and we kind of hung out and had lunch together and it was a great time. And then after lunch was over, I, I got up and um, he goes, okay, bye, Dad, thanks. I said, hey, no problem, buddy. I'll see you later. And uh, so I got up and I walked across the classroom and sat back down on the other side of the classroom. And at this point... Now it's starting to dawn on him. There's more to this picture that we see. I, I knew there was something. And so he kind of came over and sort of sheepishly said, Dad, what are you doing? I said, well, I said, I, I, I just wanted to hang out and watch your class. Well, but why? And I said, well, Caden, I said, I just wanted to see how you honored your teacher today. And he's in... And he just was like, he just knew exactly what it was all about. But, you know, he wasn't happy. And to this day, he'd probably tell you he didn't really appreciate that. But I know someday he will. Someday he's going to look back and say, you know, my dad loved me. I was failing and he showed up. And I kind of think that as parents, we're like jello molds. You know, we, we provide the structure. We provide the support. We provide the boundaries of life. And after a while, when, it, you know, when enough time has been passed and enough experience to set up, we can step back and pull off the mold and they stand on their own. But until or unless that day comes, we've got to provide that structure. And that's what parental control is all about. I'm not talking about micromanaging. I'm not talking about hovering and you know, just smothering your kids. But when they're failing at school and failing in relationships, you need to be there. If, if they're not doing well when they go to a friend's house and they're being disrespectful, they're mistreating their friend in some way and you're getting bad reports, you don't take away all their friends, but what you do is you have their friends come to your house and you watch. And when they start to do those things, come over here, son, take a break. Dad, that's embarrassing. Hey, that's what happens. That's what happens. You need to take a break and, and I want you to think about how you're treating your friend. You know? or you're going to lose the privilege of, of spending time with your friend. If you want friends, you need to be friendly, the Bible says. And I want to, give, I want to help you practice being friendly. And, uh, and you just you don't have to, again, don't you know, pour a bunch of emotion into it, but just real matter of fact, real simple, you're training. You're training. You're preparing this kid for life. And so, uh, you know, I remember my, my daughter was having a hard time with her math. But she wasn't saying anything about it until she was all of a sudden flunking these tests. And it was like, she always gets 100%. But it was a new school year and, and things were a little tougher and there were some concepts she wasn't getting. And so um, we kind of talked to her about it. We helped her. But the bottom line was is she was still failing. And finally we realized, you know what? We got to be there. 
We are going to class. We're going to talk to the teacher. We're going to sit in class if we need to. We're going to help. And what it turned out to be was, it's not that she wasn't capable of understanding, but she was, she was being distracted. And part of the distraction, she was seated next to a kid that was very distracting and, and making her uncomfortable. And, and she was embarrassed to ask for help. And so <laughs> how long would she have gone on with this with nobody knowing if we didn't realize, hey, she's failing, we need to get involved. And, you know, was it a pain to take off work? Was it a pain to, you know, adjust the schedule? Yeah. Is, is it worth it? Is your child worth it? I mean, you've got to decide, are you going to be a parent or not? I mean, God gave you these kids. It's, it's very, very important. I will say this, though. Um, uh, don't, don't take them out of things like youth group. Sometimes parents in the church do that. Well, they love youth group, so I'm going to take them out of youth group. You know, you start pulling back, okay, what do they love? <laughs> you know, what do they really care about? So it'll hurt, you know, so it'll get their attention. Um, I don't recommend doing that because in places like that, there's other people besides you pouring good things into them. And you don't want to pull that out. You want to encourage that. And, and there's other things that you're just going to, there's other things in life you're just going to have to, to look for to pull out. But, um, you know, more control, restricting freedom. You know, with your little kids, it might be as simple as you have to sit in the cart in the grocery store. You know, you can't just walk along by yourself in the freedom. You have to hold daddy's hand. Now, this could be in the restricting freedom section or the more control section, either way. But, but you're responding in some way because, because they're, not, you know, they're not being successful at what they're supposed to be doing. Um, just really don't be afraid to, to step in and do this. Beware of coddling your kids. I find with kids that are very coddled, it leads to um, a poor self-image. It leads to depression. It leads to self-centeredness, all kinds of things. Be involved. Now, let's talk about spanking. This is one of those subjects today that is kind of a hot potato. Uh, a lot of people feel strongly one way or another about spanking, and I just want to talk about this for a few minutes. Um, we can't we can't spend a lot of time on this because we've got a lot of other ground to cover. But I, I want to share with you a perspective that I think will be helpful for you. When it comes to spanking, there's two extremes. On the one hand, and it's usually Christian parents um, because of what they've been taught, they will say, I mean, they kind of treat it like it's the silver bullet of parenting. I mean, they're like the one-tooled handyman. I mean, that's all they know is how to spank. And to be honest with you, that was where I leaned. Uh, that's the way my mom dealt with things and it worked, <laughs> um, you know, I think, for the most part. But uh, I think if you asked her, she would say if she had to do it all over again, she would probably do less of that. Um, I think as a single mom, she was in survival mode much of, much of the time. <laughs> and she figured, you know what, this is all I know, and it just seems to work, so I'm going to stick with what I know. And, and uh, you know, and so she spanked for pretty much everything. You know, but I think that there's a balance in order. There's another extreme, though, that I think you need to avoid, and it's so prevalent in our culture. And it is that if you spank, then your child's going to have you know violent tendencies and emotional problems and and all of this kind of thing. Now, I wanna I wanna say 
that that also is an extreme view. It's not biblical and it's not it's not true. Okay. Now, having said that, I'm not I'm not saying that I don't have compassion for people who've experienced uh, situations that have been where it's been done wrong. There's been a lot of abuse in this world. And it's, it's a heartbreaking thing. My heart really goes out to people who are fearful of this because it hasn't been done well in their life. And I, I really, I, I understand that. But you've just got to understand that just because something's done wrong doesn't mean that it's not still good and right. You know, um, the Bible says to do it. And... I believe if God says something is is good and helpful and right, I'm not going to just throw it out because someone else has done it wrong. I never forget a time when I was coaching. I had a coaching career in gymnastics, and I was running this club. And I remember I've always been kind of a hands-on guy, and 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 real. Um, I just love kids and have a lot of fun with them. And um, and I remember helping this one little preschool group that I had in the mornings was when, when the daycares would bring preschoolers. And I'd do these little preschool classes, and it was a lot of fun. But I, they were so just excited, you know, to come. And they were so, they had such a good time. And, and they grew to really love me as Coach John, you know. And they would always give me a big hug and stuff. And, and I remember this one time, uh, I was helping them put on their little shoes and stuff. And it was right, I mean, as close as I am to you, there's all the balcony with all the parents. And I'm sitting here helping... Um, little Susie or little Johnny, somebody, tie their shoes. And, and I said, okay, well, I'll see you next week. And, and we always gave hugs. A lot of times I would do a cinnamon roll hug where I'd, ha- I'd hold their hands together and I'd wrap around in a big old cinnamon roll. I'd go, cinnamon roll hug, you know, and everybody would giggle and fall out on the ground. And it was always really cute. Well, sometimes, though, they would just give me a big hug. This one day... Um, it really it kind of startled me even, but this little this little um, I don't to be honest with you this day I don't remember if it was a boy or a girl, but this little four year old ish person uh, threw their arms around me and kissed me right on the mouth <laughs> like I was their daddy, you know, and that kind of startled me and and I was and but I kind of just moved right on. I was like, okay, sweetie, have a great day, you know, and I off to went, you know. And this uh, coach came up to me afterward, and he tried to give me some counsel. He said, you know, I've noticed, you know, you tend to give the kids a lot of hugs and stuff. And, and he said, I, I really don't think that's a good idea. I don't think you should be hugging the kids. I said, really? Why is that? And he said, well, you know, because there's a lot of, you know, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable, you know. And he, he was really concerned about this. And I said, okay. I said, well, I said, I'll tell you what, here's how I think. There's a lot of kids in this world that need a hug. And I might be the only person in their life that gives them a hug. And I said, I am not going to stop doing something that's good for children just because someone else does it wrong. I said, I appreciate your, your advice. I, I have always been very careful about this. It's right here with the parents. These, these parents and kids know me. They know my heart. I'm not, you know, some kind of strange person, uh, you know, thinking weird things about their kids. I, I actually love their kids in a perfectly healthy way. And I said, so, you know what? I, I, I just, 
oftentimes I've, I've thought that same way about spanking, you know. Um, and what I have learned is that, that um, there's a lot of people out there that, that are really emotionally damaged and nobody ever laid a finger on them. Nobody ever spanked them. But they lived with a mom who was critical, who just sliced them to ribbons with their words, just verbally, just always on their case and belittling them. Nobody ever spanked them. Maybe they would have benefited from a good loving spanking and less words, for all I know. You know? I mean, there's, I'm just saying that it's not spanking that injures, that hurts people. What hurts people is that however they're disciplined, it isn't done in a loving context. It's done out of anger. And, and I just, I don't know where you're at today on this issue, but I will just tell you, um, this can be an, a very effective form of training for kids. And up until just very recently, in the last few decades, pretty much most people did it as a way of life. And most people turned out just fine. My mom spanked me all my life. And you know what? I'll tell you the truth. It never would have occurred to me. Not in a million years would it have occurred to me that she didn't love me. It wasn't even on my radar screen. You know what I thought of when she spanked me? I thought two things. This hurts a lot. And the, next, and the, other, thing I thought, the other thing I thought is, I'm never doing that again. And I learned. I learned my lesson. I never thought my mom doesn't love me. I never thought she's hitting me. I never thought that. Hitting is different than spanking. Hitting is what you do when you're trying to hurt and injure someone because you're angry and mad or you're getting revenge. A spanking is just a, a way of correction. And you know, to be real honest with you guys, I think the reason God put it in the Bible is because it's just very quick and effective and it cuts to the chase. There's not a lot of dialogue. There's not a lot of, you know, hassle about it. It just, they learn it and they move on. And it's just, it's just something very simple that God gave us. And I think it was a gift. But it always has to be done in the context of love. You know, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. I asked one father, why do you spank your kids? He didn't even blink. He said, because life spanks you. I went, that's a good point. That's a good point. I would rather have my children experience the pain of loving discipline under my care where I love them and I want what's best for them and I'm doing it for the right reasons. So it's a deterrent to a selfish, sinful life. I'd rather have that than to coddle them and, and be permissive and just allow them to never experience you know, my displeasure or, or the pain of doing things wrong and, and, and let them go out and learn from life. Because believe me, you know, the warden at the county jail doesn't care about them. He's not loving them. He's just giving out consequences. And, and so this is a really important thing. Let me give you a couple of um, uh, little tidbits about spanking. The Bible does teach it. The Bible does teach it. In fact, um, there are five times in the Proverbs where it talks about spanking. Three of those times, interestingly enough, is reference to children Two of them are just general. The rod is for a back, the back of fools. You know? And by the way, in case you don't know this, our English translation kind of makes it sound a little scary. Don't have in your mind a picture of rebar. You know? <laughs> Get out the rod. No, it's, it's not that. In the Hebrew, the word just means an offshoot of a branch. In the old days, they called it a switching. 
go out to the woodshed. And, you know, I mean, that was, it, it was just a switching. It's, it's, that's all it is. And so, um, five times it talks about spanking. But do you know over 90 times it talks about other forms of discipline, other forms of training, things like rebuke and warning and correction, using your words in different ways, being firm without being harsh, training, all these kinds of things over 90 times. You know what that tells me? Spanking is just one of many tools. And it can be overused, just like other things can be overused. So a balance, a balance is what you want to have. Now, we're wrapping up here. Um, let me give you four principles to govern spanking, okay? You might jot this down. If you have a problem with anger, do not spank. You may be agreeing now with everything that I'm saying, but you're going, well, the problem is, John, I get so mad. Well, okay, there are other tools that you can use. Spanking might be a simple, easy one if you could do it in a loving way. But if you're angry and you're doing it out of angry, then pick a different tool. Don't use that. You need to remember the goal is to teach. If it's not effective, do not, then find something else. Be really practical about it. You know, there's some kids, they have such a high threshold for pain. <laughs> I mean, they could strap dynamite to their chest and go out with a bang. I mean, they just, they are, <laughs> it, spanking isn't working for them. Now, it, to me, it's rare when you find a child like that. I mean, but I know they exist. I know, I know that it, it can happen. And especially at a certain age, it's not effective. And so, you know, remember to keep the big picture in mind, and it's most effective with young kids, okay? So, that's the whole deal with spanking. Now, leaders, other leaders, in the, do you know your, parent, your kids are going to have other people in their life that are giving input into their life? You want to take advantage of that. You want to not undermine that. There's grandparents, there's teachers, there's, um, you know, uh, Sunday school teachers, there's coaches, all kinds of people, um, you want to give them the benefit of other people influencing them and telling them the same things you're telling them. You know, there's someone else telling them to be responsible, to be on time, to be all these things. And, you know, take advantage of that. Um, and be careful that you're not undermining them in those settings. I want to say this, emphasize this for a minute, because with sports... So many people have their kids in sports. This is very common these days where you've got a parent on the sidelines and the, the ref or the coach is doing something the parent doesn't agree with and the parent thinks somehow they're doing their kid a favor by, by arguing with the coach. You are crippling them for life. Do not do that. How are they going to learn to... Well, let me ask you this. Are they going to have some people in life that are bad teachers, bad coaches, mistreat them, unfair is that life? That's life. Teach them, help them process that when you talk with them after the game. Help them learn how to deal with this graciously and wisely. It's not enough to be right. You also have to be wise. And if, the, if they don't learn to respect authority, then you're going to have, they're going to have a problem. So even if you need to take that coach aside and pummel them. No, don't, don't, don't do that. If you need to take that coach aside privately and talk with them and say, hey, you know, I'm concerned about this. It just seems like you're not being totally fair here. I, what are you thinking? I don't understand this. And, and talk with them privately. But do not do it. Do not do it publicly. Okay, I want to wrap up 
with the last thing, uh, the positive side of the toolbox. This is training. Some of you may be thinking, you know, I've tried everything, but it just doesn't seem to be working. Well, this is where we practice doing the right thing, not just correct them for doing the wrong thing, but help them do what's right. Now, my, the Lord has given me a terrific wife. She's, she's very wise, and I came home one day, and I saw my daughter Haley sitting at the table with a look of pain and suffering on her face and she had a pen in hand and a piece of paper and I came in and I said well what's going on what's wrong she goes well I have a writing I have to do a writing assignment I said why and she said well I have to write a 50 word letter of apology to my sister I said really I said wow sounds like a tough day yeah I wasn't being very nice today with my words so now I have to write a 50 word letter of apology I mean, that's thinking outside of the box. I thought, well, that's pretty good. And she said, I said, well, what's, what's this letter? What have you got so far? Well, I have to say what I did wrong, why it was wrong, and what I'm going to do different next time. <laughs> Yay! Good job, Mom. Because what she was doing is she's helping her to think what I did wrong, why it's wrong, what I'm going to do different next time. Another time I came home, Caden, same kind of a scenario. What are you doing? I have to write down three kind of things to do for my sister and then go do them. <laughs> you know, okay, great. That's training. That's practice. That's the positive side of the toolbox. Give them a vision for how you want them to behave. Don't just say, stop being mean. Stop being unkind. You say, hey, you know what? Come over here. I want you to think of five things in the next day that you can do that would be building, uh, uplifting to your sister. Something, I mean, you can be anything. You can draw her a nice picture. You can write her a nice letter. You can make her bed. You can, I mean, you just think. Let your mind go there creatively, and you let them practice doing what is right. The key is creativity and consistency. Creativity and consistency. Uh, practice this. Um, you may have a five-year-old, a four-year-old who's running away in the store. Go home and practice the come-when-you're-called game. That's, that's the deal. You may have a 14-year-old son who's lazy and doesn't like to help. You say, okay, son, tell you what, i got five jobs this Saturday that we're going to do around the house. Five jobs. You only have to do two of them, potentially. <laughs> and if you have a good attitude and you follow instructions and you're thorough and you do a good job, after the first two jobs, you're done. You get a play, you get freedom, call your friends, go do whatever. You're, you got a free Saturday. But if at the end of job one, you're not, or the end of the second job, you're still moving slow and you have a grumpy attitude, uh, then we're going to move on to job number three. <laughs> What's behind door number three, Dad? <laughs> you know, well, it's not a gift certificate, I'll tell you that. <laughs> You know, and you, you help them see that, you know, they've got to choose. They've got to choose. And you practice doing what's right. Now, I will tell you, even if you do everything right, they are still little sinners. I can remember we were practicing kindness one week with my daughter Haley. Being the oldest, she was being a little bossy and being kind of unkind, teasing her sisters. And so we, I said, you know what? We're just going to work on kindness as a family. And I put it up on the whiteboard there by the breakfast table. I said, for the, for the next week, we're going to practice kindness as a family. All of us are practicing kindness. I said, here's what the Bible says. Be kind to one another. Ephesians 
That's a simple little verse. Even little kids can get that. So we put it up there, and uh, we spent a couple days working on kindness. I think it was probably day number two. Tiffany calls me at work, and she says, you'll never believe what your daughter just said. I said, what's that? She said, well, Haley had something that Ashton wanted. And um, Ashton, she wasn't giving it, you know. Ashton really wanted her to share something, and Haley was just being ornery, being selfish and kind of, you know, playing with it in front of her, you know, making it like, don't you wish you could play with this kind of a thing, you know? I Probably your kids never did that. It's just mine. But anyway, they, um, but this kind of thing was going on. And um, funny little dialogue took place. Ashton starts to kind of pour on the tears, and she's like, Haley, you've got to share. This isn't fair. You're supposed to share. It's mine. Well, yeah, but you're supposed to share. I want, I want to turn. And, she's, and finally, Haley puts her foot down. She says, look, Ashton, we are working on kindness this week, not sharing. <laughs> so, even when you're doing it all right, you just, what do you do with that? Good grief. I almost quit my job at that point. So I, you know, so, but the point is, you know, you, you just have to realize that, that the consistency needs to be there and you're laying a track in their mind. And over time, as they, as they hear these things and practice these things, it will start to trickle down into their heart. It'll start to become a part of their character and, and be more obvious in their life. So um, I need to stop there. But um, I hope that's helpful for you guys. We're going to go into session four after lunch called The Positive Conclusion. And this really relates to the um, the break. The break isn't complete without a positive conclusion. And so um, uh, you guys are going to like it. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord, that it just is really an expression of, of your nature, of who you are. And these principles that we see in the Bible, um, Lord, they're just wonderful, wonderful principles. And they they encourage us to trust in your love and, and to want to obey and follow your ways because they're, they're right, they're good. And we see the blessing and benefit of it. But Lord, we are sinners and it's not natural. It's not easy for us to do this. And we just pray that um, as we continue to learn and grow together here today, that um, Lord, that, that our roots would go deeper and our love for you would grow stronger. And I pray that you would help Lord, for us to just capture this vision for our children and what you have for them. Lord, there's so much on the line, and um, I, just, I just thank you that you don't leave us alone. Um, you give us your spirit, you give us your word, you give us each other and uh, in the body of Christ. And Lord, you've promised in your word that you've given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Help us to trust you for that too, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.